You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1269 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season and always with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And also, I want to remind you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube on the video side. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and all that fun stuff. And I appreciate you joining me on the show as always. Uh, also, thank you everybody for listening to the post draft podcast. Of course, if you missed that, that is still in your feed right now. My reactions to the selection of AJ Griffin, as well as Tyrese Martin down the board for the Hawks, them selling draft picks, all that fun stuff was in that podcast deep, deep, deep into the night, into really the morning. On Friday, and then I, I had a family wedding. My brother got married on Saturday. Congratulations to him, of course. And uh, I was kind of off the grid, at least by my standards, I was really off the grid the last couple of days. But we're sort of getting back into the swing of things now as the new week begins. And by the way, summer league starts in like a week and a half. Free agency starts Thursday night, uh, Thursday night six o'clock. By the way, so we are uh, certainly sort of in a down period, but it might not be a down period for long as uh, post draft and pre free agency, all that stuff is coming, and we'll sort of go over some free agency stuff later this week. Summer league stuff as well. I'll be traveling to the desert to cover the Hawks at summer league, so uh, no breaks. Let's just say in between now and then, we'll cover that. Also. Here at the top of the podcast, I should just say it as sort of a newsy item that AJ Griffin and Tyree Spartan will be introduced to the local media on Monday morning. So if you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance it's already happened, but it's Monday morning at 10 a.m. is the intro press conference for AJ Griffin as, of course, the headliner of that one. I'll be, of course, checking in on all of that stuff, and uh, we'll, we'll bring anything that's new or revelatory to you later on this week. And I'm also planning to talk about some deeper dive stuff on Griffin in particular. Of course, he's a player that gets a lot of attention as a first round draft pick, and I'll have a deeper dive into him later on this week as well. Um, today's show, though, is sort of, sort of a grab bag of sorts. I have some rumor roundup stuff early in the podcast, um, some newsy contributions, some summer league information as to who's going to be playing for the Hawks. At least none of it's been announced, but some reporting that's been out there. And that's some mailbag questions on Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton, and DeJounte Murray and uh, my reactions to the NBA draft picks and all that kind of fun stuff too coming up later in the show. Sort of a, a quicker one to begin the week, but I want to always get back in the saddle here after what was a very busy time a week ago. So at the top, the rumor mill is still churning. Um, obviously, there was some surprise with Hawks fans. I tried to sort of address a little bit of that on Thursday evening into Friday, that there was no big trades made from the Hawks. Um, as I record this, by the way, it's June 26th. I should listen to it to be June 27th. The Guarantee date for Danilo Gallinari is June 29th. That is the next major plot point on the calendar for the Hawks. They have to decide on Gallo before the 29th. And I want to say this again. I said this, I believe, on Thursday night as well. But basically, absolutely no one that I have talked to believes that the Hawks were going to keep Gallo on his $21 million. So it's a safe bet in my mind, anyway, to assume that he'll either be um, cut by June 29th or he'll be traded by June 29th, or they'll come to some sort of agreement to push that guarantee date back. Those are probably the three options. Obviously, they could just guarantee him and keep him, but no one believes that's going to happen, at least that I've talked to or at least that I've heard from or anything like that's been reported. So that's a date to circle. That's going to be Wednesday is guarantee date for Gallo. Um, from there, Mark Stein, who's, of course, a prominent newsbreaker in the NBA space, wrote over the weekend that, quote, the expectations persist that both John Collins and Malcolm Brogdon, of course, not a, not a Hawks guy, but actually a local product um, from Atlanta, will be dealt sooner rather than later, end quote. 
Also, Chris Kirchner, the athletic, cited a source after the draft that said, quote, he's done in Atlanta, end quote, about John Collins. Um, I've said this before, but just as a reminder of where I am, if you're a new listener as well, I think that it's still likely that Collins gets traded. I have never thought that it was an absolute 100% lock. I have uh, sort of progressed from unlikely to maybe so-so to likely in the last week plus, as I've heard some different things behind the scenes, also plus all the public reporting that was out there from people that are trustworthy like Woj and Shams and you know, Brian Windhorst, et cetera, thinking that he's going to be traded in the near future. It's never done until it's done. I want to say that one more time. It's never done until it's done. It will not like bowl me over, flatten me if they did not trade Collins. But I think it is still likely to happen for people. A lot of, a lot of questions that I was getting out through the draft were basically like, why haven't they done this yet? Is this maybe they're going to keep Collins? They still could keep Collins. But um, from what I am hearing, what I'm reading, of course, the reporting that was there from, from Mark Stein and Chris Kirchner, it seems likely to me still that John will be moved, but uh, nothing is assured at this point in time. Also, Jake Fisher, friend of the podcast, said on his call-in show over the weekend that the Spurs have been calling around to get intel on John Collins, perhaps as part of a a DeJounte Murray deal. And he also relayed that he heard that uh, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray have some mutual interest in actually playing together. Obviously, that wouldn't consummate the deal if Trey just wanted him. Um, But Trey has real influence with the Hawks. No question about that as a franchise player, uh, a guy that's signed long-term, but certainly has a lot of voice um, in in that building. Murray, uh, maybe not quite on that same level for the Spurs, but someone who I, I'm sure would be at least in the mix if they were talking about a trade on some level. And I think what I have heard and what's been reported is that they have talked and maybe they are still talking with the Hawks and the Spurs. Nothing is imminent, as I've heard at this point in time. But a couple of notes beyond that. Um, there was some speculation, people sort of asking me if the Spurs drafting a couple of perimeter guys in the draft in the first round on Thursday was an indication that they're going to trade Murray. I would say no, even though I understand the thought process on that. Um, I think they just kind of took Malachi Brandon and Blake Wesley in very appropriate, like good value positions. And they also used a top 10 pick on a forward in Jeremy Sohan. So no real indication for me that they're going to be actually moving on from Murray because of that. Um, Also, people keep asking me why the Spurs would want to trade Murray. And my response is uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, you know, one for one, uh, there's a, all the reporting out there from Jake, et cetera. Last week was that they're asking for the moon for uh, DeJounte. And I definitely understand that. Um, him being available is not too shocking. He's not quite on that untouchable level for me, but um, there's probably a divide on just like how good he might, um, his side of things might think that he is on that sort of extension talks, max kind of stuff in the future. Um, maybe you're, they're trying to at least like sort of sell high on Murray. I think there is a reasonable school of thought that Murray maybe isn't quite as good as his numbers indicate from last season. But uh, long story short, I'm not sure why the Spurs won't want, want to do that. Maybe they're trying to reset some things, open things up for Josh Primo, et cetera, in the backcourt. But he's, still, he's currently their best player. So I'm not really sure what the deal is on that side of things. But that is a reasonable question to ask. Um, I've also continuously heard that the Spurs are asking for quite a lot for Murray. Now, that was reported by Jake as well. And the Drew Holiday-like package was what the Spurs are seemingly looking for, which was, by the way, Drew got three first-round picks in exchange for him. I think I might have mentioned this previously, but the most that I would personally trade in a Murray uh, in a Murray swap as the Hawks would be John Collins and two more assets on some level, whether it be Collins and two first round picks or Collins and a first rounder and Jalen Johnson or Collins and a first rounder and AJ Griffin or something like that. Maybe maybe Kevin Herter in one of those slots as well if the Spurs want to send some more money back. Uh, I would not trade Collins and a Kongwu, which has been at, sort of out there as a possibility. I would not do that. Um, I would also not trade Collins plus three assets. If it was Collins, two first-round picks and Jalen, or Collins, two first-round picks and AJ Griffin, no thank you to that deal. That's too much for me. In fact, quite honestly, in my mind, and again, people that listen to this podcast know this, I'm a little bit higher than, on John Collins than some, but I personally think that, that Collins plus two first-round picks probably favors the Spurs a little bit. 
Uh, I wouldn't be mad about that if I was the Hawks. I think that's a, probably a pretty reasonable offer at this point in time. But anything beyond two first rounders or two assets would be uh, probably a little bit too much for me. Um, personally, I think the actual like appropriate value deal for the Hawks and the Spurs, if I was trying to just like negotiate the most even trade for both sides, it would be Collins um, next year's first for the Hawks and the Charlotte pick for the Hawks, which is a protected first rounder. So basically um, the Hawks first round pick that you would think would be a little bit, you know, not too bad either, but Charlotte's pick, basically the reason why I would say that one is that there's not a whole lot of ceiling to that. So maybe if you were to um, sort of insert the Hawks lottery protecting a pick as a similar asset to that, but regardless, that's where I am right now. I think Murray is a really intriguing player, uh, but you don't want to buy too, too high and go crazy on that. Especially if you think you have to pay him, pay him like a near max deal in a couple of years as he's going to be expiring after two more seasons, um, no matter who he is playing for at this point in time. Um, anyway, that's all I have on the rumor mill at this point in time. We'll come back with some more uh, little newsy uh, update items and also some summer league stuff. And then we'll get into the mailbag questions on today's podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. And NBA draft season is over at this point, but the madness never actually ends in the NBA world. For agencies on the horizon, summer league is happening in July. And 2023 projections are already flying around across basketball. And with that in mind, BetOnline is a place to fire away on the futures market, and BetOnline is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and your information, both in the near future and always. Find all the latest odds, news, and developments in the sports world. That includes major events, MLB odds and scores, the latest fights, and even next season's futures in the NBA, NFL, college football, college basketball, across the board. BetOnline is the number one source for the wagering from avenues across the site, including live betting and esports and poker and ton of casino games and much more. And other sports are always in the mix at BetOnline as well. That includes hockey and golf and tennis, auto racing, rugby. They have table tennis and lacrosse and horse racing, soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, and any sport you possibly think of at Bet Online. They definitely have it. And Bet Online also is the place to find everything you need on your computer and mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action in sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, there's a bit of a reporting uh, reporting out there from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN um, over the weekend about contract stuff for next season. Um, Two-way contracts are going to be are going to be remaining uh, exactly half of the rookie minimum for the full salary over the course of next season. That's about five hundred thousand dollars or so, with a limitation, uh, as it was last year, of fifty games in the regular season that you can actually be active for, and no playoff eligibility. So you might remember this from last year, but the Hawks ended up converting Skylar Mays at the end of the season as sort of an emergency break in case of emergency kind of uh, move to have him eligible for the playoffs if they actually had to use him in the event of an injury or two to Trey or whatever else would happen. Right now, the Hawks have Shawnee Brown on a two-way contract for next year. I would say it's it's definitely possible that they were to use Ty, Ty, Tyrese Martin as a two-way contract. That's not happened so far. They may not decide that for a while. In fact, Landry Field said that has said as much on Thursday. But right now, they have a two-way slot open. But uh, as for Shawnee Brown, that'll be what he's limited to this year: 50 games plus uh, no playoff eligibility unless he is converted by the end of the season. Also, the Hawks, um, at least at this point, the Hawks usually like to wait pretty long to actually announce their summer league roster. But there was a bunch of reporting from various outlets. I talked about one or two on Thursday's podcast. But since then, um, it's been reported by various outlets, again, not confirmed by the Hawks. Uh, James Akinjo from Baylor is going to be playing for the Hawks, reportedly. Grant Golden from Richmond, a very talented sort of passing big man. Marcus George's Hunt, a former Georgia Tech standout. He is more, oh, by the way, Akinjo and Golden are rookies. Uh, George's Hunt is 28 years old now, but played in the league for a couple of years um, with, uh, I think, Minnesota most prominently. Um, a really good defensive player, a veteran guy that should sort of help that summer league atmosphere. Obviously, summer league is more about the young guys, no question about that. But generally, generally speaking, you want to have at least a couple of vets on your team to make things easier, um, kind of just know how to play basketball at a professional level. 
to both lead guys, also just kind of be reliable and allow the guys who you're trying to evaluate to flourish, whether it be with spacing or defense or kind of knowing where to be, all that fun stuff. And I think Lynn Willis talks about that a lot on this show and other places. Like there's some real value in having some anchor veterans on your summer league team. Um, Chris Clemens, another veteran guy. He's 24 at this point, but a, a very prominent sort of scoring guard that was drafted a couple of years ago. Uh, he played for Houston two years ago in the NBA and then played for the Celtics G League team last year. Um, and he, he's, he's always reported to be on the Hawks Summer League roster. Again, nothing has been officially con- confirmed, but um, projections and expectations would be that um, Sharif Cooper will play for the Hawks. And then, of course, uh, you know, AJ Griffin, you would expect to be there and Tyrese Martin, you expect to be there. So they have some bodies, some pretty, pretty interesting stuff along the way. And, you know, normally you want to carry like 15 plus guys just for bodies and sake. But, uh, yeah, keep an interesting eye on all of that stuff. And if anybody more is uh, reported, you know, obviously we don't really know on Skylar Mays at this point in time. Mays not really a guy who probably needs to play summer league, but also isn't like necessarily on the roster. He's made for agent going in the next season. We'll see if Shawnee Brown plays. That's a question as well as a little bit of an older guy, but obviously he's already on a two way. So he might be out there as well. Plenty of uh, interest and in summer league roster should be sort of getting uh, finalized into early July before the Hawks travel to Las Vegas. Okay. Um, now to some mailbag questions that sort of hit on some stuff that's been talked about in the last couple of days. The first one is a little bit funny, but also a little bit less funny than you might've thought that it might've been uh, a few days ago. So I would say at least 10 people asked me while I was away doing wedding things about the Hawks and Kevin Durant. So uh, obviously I was out there last few days. If you're an NBA fan, you definitely saw this Kyrie Irving stuff has been in the mix. Like he's maybe once out of Brooklyn looking for suitors and uh, Kevin Durant, um, you might expect if Kyrie is not there may not be long for Brooklyn. Now there's a lot of speculation on all sides. This is not a, a broad podcast about that topic, but uh, our friends at Ben Online kind of stirred the pot a little bit um, as, as far as Hawks stuff is concerned by putting out some odds on Durant's next destination if he is not going to be playing for the Nets this season. Of course, there's a big if in there. And for me, I would definitely project Kevin Durant is still on the Nets when the season begins. But uh, this is obviously really interesting. And Kevin Durant is on that short list of players that you would just kind of have to move heaven and earth to go out and get as basically any franchise, much less the Hawks, who are obviously in pursuit of a second star. So the betting odds that BetOnline released, again, our partners over there, um, had the Heat at 5-2, to two, the Grizzlies at 4-1, to one, the Hawks at 9-2, to two, so number three on this on this list, and the Suns, Clippers, Knicks, Blazers, Thunder, which is kind of funny as his former team, Lakers to 12-1, to one, and then the Warriors uh, returned there at 14-1. to one. So this is always kind of a little bit made up on some level. It's for entertainment purposes. But again, like I'll just say that some very obvious things about Kevin Durant. Uh, number one. Kevin Durant is one of the 15 best players in the history of the NBA, uh, maybe even higher than that. So uh, it goes without saying, but even at the age of 33, and he'll be 34 in September, uh, you do anything you can possibly do within reason to get Kevin Durant. Um, Even this season, KD was playing at an obscene level. He averaged 37 and six uh, this season. At the age of 33, with a 63% true shooting, he has, uh, I believe, has one season of his entire career with a sub-60% true shooting, a former MVP, uh, scoring champion, 12-time All-Star, uh, four-time scoring champion, 10-time All-NBA, uh, you know, obviously a ridiculous player, and still, by the way, is a ridiculous player. You could say maybe he's not quite the same guy he was as, as, at his absolute peak in Oklahoma State and Golden State, sorry, Oklahoma City and Golden State, but... Uh, especially maybe defensively, but Katie is still just one of the best offensive players in the league, full stop. Uh, obviously, he's a little bit older than you would want if you are the Hawks and you're building around Trey Young, who is like 10 years younger than KD. But um, that picture of Trey as a kid with KD um, and Oklahoma City has made the rounds a lot. It's sort of a meme kind of status. 
uh, you would trade anything that was not nailed down for Kevin Durant if you were the Hawks, even if it's obviously a very much an all-in move for the for the present because he is a little bit older than you might like. But it's Kevin Durant. He's a guy that's like basically on that LeBron level where you just kind of have to do whatever you have to do to get him in. Uh, is this realistic? I would say probably not. But I will say. Uh, one of the things about KD is that he's not a typical star in terms of his personality makeup. He's willing to do things that other, other stars are not. He likes to play basketball in a way that's, uh, you know, he loves basketball like a lot of guys do, but it's kind of all he does. He went to the Warriors when it was not popular necessarily to do that because he wanted to win. Um, if he and Trey want to play together or if he, wants, he just wants to play in Atlanta. The big thing about this that um, I think it goes without saying, but also is the fact that uh, KD is on that list again of guys who can kind of get wherever they want to. If he decided he wanted to play for the Hawks, which is, again, is a giant if, he could make that happen. Um, short of that, I think it probably will not. But if KD just woke up one morning and said, I want to play with Trey Young, I'm sure the Hawks make that happen by trading anything and everything. He is signed for a long time, which is a, a little bit unusual for a player at his age and with his stature. But KD recently signed a very long-term contract uh, he's making a lot of money, which doesn't necessarily matter because he's making because he's he's worth every penny. But he is signed through the 25-26 season. Uh, this coming year, $44 million, then 48, 51, and 55, basically over four years. But the number you have to match would be $44 million for Kevin Durant. You would do that eagerly. Um, obviously, um, some of this is kind of just funny to even talk about because it's not likely to happen. But hey, uh, if he's available, you go out and do everything you can get him to get him, and uh, that goes without saying. But I at least wanted to say it out loud. People were keep, people were asking me, and I think Ben Online kind of spurred that with a lot of like questions about like, look, how realistic is this? Is this even possible? Is there one percent chance? I don't know if it's one percent. It's more than zero. Uh, it's less than five probably. But uh, listen, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to cover. I love to cover cover Kevin Durant playing with Trey Young. It might be uh, Trey, KD, and not a lot else with how much you have to probably trade for Kevin Durant. But listen, uh, it'd be a lot of fun to watch, and he, he'd be the best player that the Hawks have ever had. Um, that includes Trey right now. Obviously, you know Trey will keep getting better and better, but Kevin Durant, again, top 15 player in the history of the NBA. So uh, that's a pretty high bar to clear for anyone. Okay, with that question out of the way, we'll get to some more questions momentarily on the podcast before we get out of here on this Sunday into Monday. But first, one more break to hear from our sponsors on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. In the auto world, it's going to make some miles these days. It's actually impossible, or at least close to it, to find all of the parts that you want in a local chain store or dealership. And even if you could actually find them, do you want to deal with the person behind the counter? They just want to sell you what they want to sell you in their warehouse or behind their counter and whatever price point they want to that actually helps them. Instead, you want to help yourself. And the best possible way to do that is to check out rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. It's a much better option. Why spend more for the same exact parts from a chain store or dealership when you actually get them at rockauto.com for much cheaper and much more convenient? Rockauto.com is a family business. I've been serving customers for more than two decades at this point, and they have all the stuff that you possibly want for your car or your truck. Of course, that includes stuff like motor oil and tail lamps, brake parts, even carpet for your car or truck. And the prices are reliably low for each and every customer, and they're really the same. Also, no matter who you are, check it out at rockauto.com. When you get there, write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box, and they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and uh, questions now. From uh, First one comes from Brant who asked, Chris Kirshner wrote that the Hawks might be in on DeAndre Ayton, but only if he's not on a max contract. You think it's possible that the Hawks can pull that off? So I would say it's not terribly likely that the Hawks can get him on a non-max deal, but it's not totally insane. Um, the number one thing, at least for me, is that Phoenix should just keep Ayton if the price is a non-max. It should be a no-brainer for Phoenix in my mind. But Phoenix is not always a rational actor. They have bad ownership. And um, you know there was a piece by Kevin Arnovitz this week about Phoenix's front office. This is a, it's a very unusual group, let's just say. They don't necessarily follow the beat of most NBA front offices, so maybe they're a little bit uh, strange in this instance. 
Um, for me, even the Suns should just match any offer on Aiden. Um, I'm not even the biggest Aiden fan. I'm not the number one Aiden guy in the world. But uh, if I'm the Suns, I'm matching anything on Aiden. Max, non-max, no, no matter how many years, et cetera, I would just pay Aiden the max and then figure it out later if they don't want to keep him long-term. Um, the reason, though, that it might be open in terms of the door being open is that Phoenix just really might love someone on the Hawks roster, for instance, whether it be John Collins or Clay Capella or whatever else. Um, also, and James Jones could just kind of value that. There was one report a couple of days ago that um, James Jones has always liked John Collins. I'm not sure if that matters, but maybe that's a sweetener here um, rather than actually just keeping Aiton on the roster. It also probably helped the Hawks on some level if you are a fan of the Aiton pursuit that Detroit drafted Jalen Duran and traded for him. Um, that was probably the biggest landing spot for Aiden. It still could happen, by the way. I don't think Detroit has to be out on Aiden, but they did just draft a center in the lottery that's 18 years old. So we'll see on all that. But I think the to answer the question, I don't think it's super likely, but I think it would probably take a max deal in my mind to get DeAndre Aiden. And I think the Hawks probably know that too. Maybe they're trying to draw a line in the sand. It's definitely possible. The Aiden photoshops are uh, out in full force, but I would guess that if it happens, it's still on the max for the Hawks and sending something back, whether it be Collins or Capella or whatever else, maybe a third, maybe a three team deal, et cetera. But um, as a reminder, the Hawks do not have any way to get Aiden without a trade. Unlike Detroit, who can just sign him to a max offer sheet, the Hawks don't have cap space. So they have to trade something back, and that adds another wrinkle of things. But I would guess, still, even, even with that report, and I, I trust Chris report, Chris's reporting on this. I'm sure the Hawks believe this. My thing is, to actually get him, I would guess it probably takes more, more than that. But we'll see. It, listen, maybe that's a dream scenario. I know a lot, a lot of Hawks fans want Aiden. If you get him for less than the max, even better. Um, last couple of questions come actually about the draft. Um this one's from PT, who asked, who, who, is, who was your highest-rated player that went undrafted on Thursday? And uh, I will just say, I talked a little bit about, about second-round guys in my uh, mini-selling picks rant on Thursday night. But generally speaking, one more time, there is a drop-off after like 45 to 48 the rest of the way in the draft, and teams know it, which kind of leads to some odd undrafted players every once in a while. Like Lou Dort's a famous example recently of a player that was like in, in people's like top 30s that went undrafted. This year, my number one guy that went on draft was Justin Lewis of Marquette. He was in my top 37 or 38 for me. It was where the one undrafted. He also signed a, a two-way with the Bulls, like basically right away. So it's not like he's just sitting out there ready to be signed by anybody. Um, after Lewis, I would say Ron Harper Jr. is a guy I like. Alondis Williams, Kenneth Lofton Jr., and Darion Sebron would be the guys that I would say were around my top five. Number six would have been Keon Ellis, a guy I kind of like as, as a 3 and D kind of prospect. Those guys were all draftable for me. But again, um, a lot of agents in particular really do not want guys to be drafted outside of the top 45. You're better off in some respects being not drafted at all than drafted in like four, like 52nd, 54th, whatever. Um, obviously, the Hawks used Ty uh, that pick on Tyree Smart, 51. But uh, especially young guys, like one and done kind of guys that left early and didn't get picked early, um, may not want to be drafted. But alas, it might work out for some of those guys. But that was my top five remaining players. But again, it was, it's always a little bit eye of the beholder at that point. I think the only guy that was like truly weird that, it, that he wasn't drafted for me was Justin Lewis. And the other big fall was, uh, was EJ Liddell, which he obviously got drafted. But that was the other one that was a little bit strange over the course of the draft. Um, question now from Samuel, who says, what were some of your favorite and least favorite picks in the 2022 NBA draft? Uh, we'll start with least and then end on a positive note. So least favorite in the sort of board order. I did not like the Keegan Murray number four overall draft pick. Uh, I'm not saying anything like terrible about Murray. I think he's a perfectly fine prospect. A guy who was like in my top seven or eight for sure. This is a Kings being Kings pick though, in a lot of ways, like by all accounts and what I heard behind the scenes on and off the record was that Jaden Ivey was the target for many people at number four overall trying to trade up. So for the Kings to sit there at four 
not draft Ivy and not trade down was uh, not good process in a lot of ways. Um, it's not always that easy. I will say that. But for me, uh, I wouldn't have taken Murray fifth even. So that's just a personal opinion. But regardless, I think it was probably consensus that Ivy was a better prospect than Murray. I definitely feel that way. Um, even if they didn't want to take Ivy, I would have gone in a different direction. Maybe just traded the pick for whatever you can get down to five or six. Uh, but alas, I think Murray might be, might be fine. But his fit with Sabonis is a little bit strange as well. Uh, defensively, for me, not going to be the greatest pairing in the world. Um, also might affect any pursuit of John Collins from the Kings. As again, as I sort of mentioned, when it happened, you know, Collins plus... Murray plus Sabonis is kind of a weird front court in a lot of ways. So uh, not, not not closing the door there, but kind of a strange pick all the way around for Sacramento. Down the board a little bit further, I didn't love the Usman Jang pick in the top. Uh, I believe it was number 11 overall, but the Thunder traded picks for him. Uh, in a vacuum, three first rounders for number 11 is a little bit rich, but I will say in, in their defense, Oklahoma City has so many picks. It is comical that it doesn't really matter that much on the value side. Also, those are three pretty bad picks they traded. So the Knicks kind of got cheaper in that swap. Um, the Knicks are kind of doing a little bit weird, like cl cap clearing stuff. So it wasn't as strange, but in terms of my actual board, Jang was a little bit lower. Didn't love that necessarily. I thought 21 was a little bit high for Christian Brown, even though I kind of like him. That was a little bit of a, a little bit of a reach for me. Um, and then David Roddy is someone that I think I really like, actually. But I thought that was a kind of a weirdly high pick of him at number 23 overall. And more off, moreover, uh, the, the Grizzlies, who I actually love their process usually, trading DeAnthony Melton to Philadelphia for Danny Green, who's injured, and getting David Roddy at 23 was kind of a weird pick. I love Melton. I wish the Hawks could have drafted him, uh, drafted him or slash traded for him along the way. Um, but alas, that was kind of a weird one. I could go a little bit deeper into stuff I didn't like after 25, but generally speaking, that's I to be holder stuff again and uh, not, not, not that big of a deal in the grand scheme. As for the more positive way to end this podcast, um, at the top of the class, I actually like the way it shook out. Um, you could certainly argue um, the order of Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Paolo Boncaro in terms of where they should have gone. I had Chet number one very, 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 very closely, but I like Chet most. But the way it worked out, worked out great, I think. I think Orlando could use a player like Paolo, who is a uh, sort of a, an alpha male number one, uh, already kind of ready-made offensive player, great passer, all that stuff, um, primary kind of offensive option. Um, Oklahoma City gets, my, in my mind, the best prospect in Chet. And then Houston, while Jabari Smith can't be thrilled with falling from number one where he was expected to go down to number three, for the money standpoint especially, um, I think it's the fit's great there, honestly. Uh, Smith's defense is good. He could be sort of a number two maybe against uh, next to Jalen Green. They have a uh, primary sort of offensive kind of hub guy at center. Um, it's, it's a really interesting team in a lot of ways. Smith can be kind of more of that elevated role player that he might need to be in Houston. So I like the way that all kind of went. Um, I love Jaden Ivey at number five to Detroit. And mostly because of, because of uh, Detroit. I was the pick that I was rooting for Ivy the entire way as just an objective observer of the draft. I wanted to see Ivy paired with Caden Cunningham. And that's happening. And I love that fit. Um, it's kind of great for Ivy. And he does not have to be the actual number one guy on that roster. It gives I give, it gives Cunningham someone who's, who's obviously super athletic. That's the one sort of drawback with K is, is that he's not a great athlete. But I love Cade. And I think that's a great pairing long term. So that works out really well. Um, I like Jeremy Sohan with the Spurs. It might have been a touch high for some people at number nine overall, but the Spurs have a great history of getting guys that have these defensive skill sets, um, fixing their offense a little bit, their jump shots, and I think he'll fit well there. I also like Dyson Daniels, who's a guy I've loved the entire way with New Orleans. New Orleans has a, has a shooting coach named Fred Vincent that's just uber elite, like the best in the world at this. And if they can fix his jump shot, Dyson's going to be awesome. Um, it's not even broken. Just have it go in a little bit more. 
Uh, later down the board, Ty Ty Washington, number 29 to Houston's a great value. I think just in a vacuum, Ty Ty was a guy that I had as a, like a lottery level talent going 29 is pretty excellent value there. Uh, EJ Waddell, I mentioned before once, but him sliding to 41 is crazy. I'm not even the, the biggest fan of him necessarily as a prospect. I had him probably closer to 20, um, but still 41 is just outrageous. I don't know why he fell so far, but uh, hopefully he, that, that clicks um, at 41. And then lastly, I promise I'm not taking a shot at the Hawks with this, but I love Ryan Rollins to Golden State. And that was the guy the Hawks could have taken, or at least obviously would not have taken. Well, maybe they would have at 44. But that was the pick the Hawks had ended up with Golden State. And that was a great value with him going 44, and especially with that fit to Golden State. He's a pretty Golden State kind of player. So, yeah, lots of good stuff there, um, you know, up and down the board. It was not a draft that I hated too much of what transpired. I tend to be a little bit of a skeptic, but there's a lot of picks, a lot of values that I thought were just like fine to good. Uh, I was grading all the picks for dime in real time over in my uh, my non Hawks NBA job. I thought that was a pretty it was pretty kind to most teams. Like I didn't I didn't love everything. Obviously, the Keegan Murray thing stands out to me as something that I, I would not have done as the Kings, but a pretty solid draft. Um, not like an over the moon you know superstar laden draft class, but a, a lot of guys that I kind of like for the most part. And I, I will say on my best list, even as an objective observer, I had turned something in for Dime recently. I thought the Griffin pick to the Hawks was one of the better values of the night. And I would say that either, you know, I'm not prone, if you're a new listener, I'm not prone to just giving the Hawks flowers when I don't believe it. I don't really do that. So I love that value. I had Griffin in my top 10 um, really the entire way, to be honest with you. So getting him at 16 overall, great value there. We'll have more on that. I, had, I talked about him extensively on Thursday. I'm planning to have at least a guest or two in the future to talk about Griffin in deep dive fashion. Of course, at Summer League, we'll focus, focus on him quite a bit as well because he's, of course, the number one attraction for the Hawks at Summer League when that transpires uh, in the first week plus of July. Okay, that's it for today on a shorter on a shorter note in a solo podcast. I do have some guests lined up. We'll have wall-to-wall coverage. Well, free agency starts on Thursday. It's coming fast and furious. So please, please, please subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice and even across platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, etc. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roll and follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And we'll see you next time.